You're listening to Brain Buster Radio. Hi, I'm the Asian sensation Kanji. You're listening to Queen's Court right here on Brain Buster Radio. Hi guys, this is the Queen of Queen's Visage talking. And I am so happy to introduce you to the Queen's Court. Hello, hello, my darlings, and welcome to this week's episode of Queen's Court, Queen's Court All Out Fallout, right here on Brain Buster Radio. Well, I survived, <laughs> barely, <laughs> running on a little bit of sleep, woke up with a cold, my throat is sore, but it's been a wild past couple of days traveling to Chicago going to GCW, going to All Out, going to StarCast. There's a lot to unpack here and a lot to discuss, and I couldn't do it alone. So I have a very special guest with me right now, back by popular demand. It's Mr. Queen. Mr. Queen, how are you doing? Not too bad at all, Queen. How about you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you feeling after... The past, what, we got 72 hours now? Past 72 hours of our experience and traveling and all that? Probably just about that, yeah. (laughs) How you feeling? Could definitely use a few more hours of sleep, but you know, (laughs) sleep when you're dead, that sort of thing. (laughs) All right, my man. So, Mr. Queen, of course, came with me to StarCast, to GCW as well, God bless him, and to All Out. It was crazy. We met Pops in person, of course. We met Tiff from All Elite Pod. We met Metal. We met a bunch of different wrestlers. We went to some panels. We traveled around a little bit. And I think we had a decent time. So what I'd like to ask you first, Mr. Queen, are what were your general thoughts about our past couple of days? Yeah, I mean, look, I thought we had a lot of fun. I thought the events were were great all the way around. Uh, you know, first time for me at the wrestling convention. Uh, so StarCast was, was certainly an experience. Uh, look, I've been to conferences and conventions all over the place, and running something for thousands of people is no easy task. The StarCast team did a great job. Uh, you know, Conrad and everybody else, I, I thought it was really well done. The tie-in to All Out and just kind of the seamlessness of it was great. And, uh, of course, All Out, I thought, was a, was a class show, uh, class act. And, you know, GCW was, uh, was an entertaining and, and fairly extreme, uh, you know, few hours starting there late on a, uh, a Friday night. So, all, all in all, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way of putting that. I hope you all can pick up on the PC that just was thrown at you. <laughs> It was interesting, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's talk a little bit, firstly, about the StarCast experience. So like you, it was my first experience with StarCast, my first experience at a major wrestling convention. It was bigger than I thought in terms of what all was happening. I wasn't sure what to expect exactly. I've been to conferences and things before, but this was bigger than I think anything I'd ever attended. Obviously, uh, the conferences I attended before were not wrestling related. But what were your thoughts about the production, if you will, of StarCast? You know, 
thinking about it, firstly, when we bought the Platinum Bundle, which we were lucky enough to be able to do, we had mocks on the card. And originally I was supposed to show up a little bit earlier, but work took me out of the game with that. But that's a different story for a different time. And then we didn't get mocks and we had to fly in a little bit later. But from what we experienced, what did you think about the production of it all? Yeah, I mean, look, the production was good. Uh, I think all in all, kind of, you know, to use the wrestling term, bell to bell, I thought, uh, you know, the star cast was was well done. You know, from what I understand, it's a it's a crew that comes together just to do this event. It's not a professional company. It's not a professional event organizer that does, you know, giant conferences around the world. Uh, so for, for that team, it was really well staged, and I thought there was a lot going on. Obviously, I, I always think there's a couple things to think about in future years, but I really enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job of the overall experience and, and how you got into it and what you were doing when you were around it and handling the panels and what that looked like. And certainly the talent they brought in, we'll, we'll get into who we got to see. Uh, I thought that was all really good. Yeah, so let's start with the highs. So let's start with what we saw. So by the time we were able to check in, which was Saturday morning, we went right to see Mick Foley's panel, Tales of a Hardcore Legend. What were you thinking <laughs> when we're in a room and we're seeing Mick Foley out on stage? Now, listeners, as you guys know, Mr. Queen is more of a wrestling fan because of me, <laughs> not so much independently on his own, but he certainly does have a little bit of background and he knows who Mick Foley is, so that was good. <laughs> I didn't drag him to anything he was totally unaware of. <laughs> oh, come on. I think I knew who Mick Foley was before, you know, your time. So oh, that's what I'm saying. You had some background knowledge. That's what I'm saying. Well, look, I think, you know, Mick Foley was a fantastic, fantastic event and speaker. Look, it's on Fight TV, so if you didn't get a chance to see it live, go watch it. It's worth it. If he's in your town, go see him. You know, he's a class act all around. He has a really interesting sense of timing and how to bring stuff together. You know, he he picked up on it. Look, he was running a little behind. Production was running a little behind. He came right into it. I thoroughly enjoyed the panel. I was laughing throughout it. I was smiling throughout it. I thought the audience was really engaged, asked a lot of great questions, and he really wanted to interact with the audience. So I thought that was all really, really good. And, and I think I heard other people say it was one of the better uh, you know, panels of the event. Oh, I 100% agree. I was excited to be in this panel just to hear him talk and see him in person, but it exceeded my expectations. He was funny and had a great sort of pacing for what he wanted to say, even though a lot of it was kind of, I don't want to say improv but he had he had talking points, but it was more free-flowing, I think, than other speak, uh, speeches or speakers. And he was super engaging with the audience. He told funny stories. He kind of got into a little bit about his life and experiences. He said some unexpected stuff, which I thought was pretty funny. I don't want to ruin it for you if you haven't seen it yet, uh, but he talks about a hitchhiker and I wasn't expecting what came next, so check out that part on Fight TV. Um, but he was really cool. I liked that a lot. It was really well done. I laughed and I laughed and laughed. I was kind of surprised that there weren't more people in there, but then I remembered 
because CM Punk was after people were getting in line for that. So I was like, ah, this must be it. <laughs> and a and, signing going on at the same time. And we'll get to that in the things to think about for future events, I think. But you're absolutely right. You know, there were people who were saying, you know, even the staff admitted right off the bat, look, if you're not a platinum badge holder, you're going to have to pick one or the other because we're going to empty the auditorium on the way out and then we're going to refill it. And if you're, you know, here with the day pass, here with the gold band, and you go to McFoley, there's very little chance you're getting into CCM Punk. And I, I, you know, we'll talk about that a little more. Sure. So let's talk a bit about what came next, which of course was CM Punk. Uh, first of all, I know he's a very controversial figure in wrestling. I know he's been gone for a long time. I know people feel some type of way about him. And that's, you know, everyone's personal preference and, and all that. But for me, in a time where WWE was going through a bit of some rough stuff in terms of viewership and storyline. He was a bright spot for me in terms of character and presentation and talent in the ring. Regardless of the personality, the Mike skills are, in my opinion, undeniable. He was one of the best on the microphone in wrestling. So this was something I really wanted to see in person, not only for what I felt like he was going to share with us, but because I don't know when I'd get that opportunity again. He's here. I'm going to do it. So for me, it was interesting to be sitting in a room and CM Punk comes out and he is so chill, like so zen, unbelievably like laid back, relaxed. You know, one of the things that was funny, my friend Anthony, of course, from Smart to Death, texted me during the middle and he's like, this is, this is not a guy that seems like he hates the business. And I'm like, you know what? I feel the exact same way. I was surprised by the body language, by the calmness, by the willingness to to be himself. Not, not, not that CM Punk is never not himself, but it was a little more real than I anticipated it was going to be. So Mr. Queen, what were your thoughts about CM Punk's panel? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I thought it was well done. It was certainly the, the best attended of the day, and, and people were saying the conference. Look, you're absolutely right. CM Punk found his center, his zen, his I don't know what, but he was a different guy than the persona you saw on stage a few years ago. And maybe that's because, you know, five years out of the business, the, the non-disclosures have run out and things like that, and he can, you know, talk a little more freely. I thought the moderator they picked was good, you know, and... You know, having a journalist as a moderator that's followed the trajectory and the arc and the story and knows a whole bunch of the the background is great. You know, it's it's very clear that uh, Punk was needed some things pulled out of him, which is what you need a a panel moderator to do is mm-hmm. to kind of ask some harder questions and pull some things out uh, and keep things moving in a trajectory in a direction that makes sense. Uh, I I think you know again, take a look at the panel online about. 12 minutes in, not to spoil it, they start talking about the fact that now WWE wrestlers can ask for and get vacation, and, and the there's about 45 seconds of Punk's reaction that is, is you, you just have to see it. It's not something you can listen to, you just gotta watch it. So I thought it was good, you know, not to be a, you know, uh, uh, get too much shade here from the community, but honestly, I thought Foley was better. I, I did, I mean, I... You're not you wrong know, about that, it, I don't it think. Was, it was fun to watch. It was fun to see. But if I 
wanted to see the room filled one way or the other. I would have rather have seen it filled for, for Mick because I thought he did a, a much better job and, and, you know, deserved to have every seat full for that. Well, I think, too, for Mick, it was um, he was having a conversation with the audience. Punk was being interviewed. Correct. They're two totally different experiences. Correct. You know? Correct. So it's just different. And, and I think because of will he or won't he, which is, you know, constantly throughout the last five years of wrestling, how many times have we watched Raw together or mm-hmm. gone to a show and there's a CM Punk chant? I mean, all the time, right? So that didn't surprise me that more people were there. It was something they didn't want to miss for FOMO or for maybe he was going to say something. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I figured it was going to be more stacked for CM Punk. But for him, I thought it was interesting. That reaction was hysterical, by the way. It was one of the things I posted up on Twitter right away because I had to. I couldn't get over. how he just His reaction was great. Just fantastic. He told great stories. He had a great Harley race story. Great explanation about what happened when The Rock called him live from Raw and like what really happened with that. He talked a little bit about his acting career and how he feels about wrestling and kind of put the to bed the I'm not showing up at all out. It's not happening. I'm going to be at home with my wife. Like, sorry to disappoint you, but it's not happening, which of course, as we know, spoiler, it did not happen. So he was at least true to his word for that. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, the, the panels were great. I also thought... There were other parts of the the production that were great. I mean, just being able to be in that crowd and and chatting with folks who had similar passions. You're right. You had talent roaming the halls, uh, you know, wrestlers kind of coming and going, fans coming and going, uh, a lot of really interesting conversations, a lot of fun talk just while in the line waiting for stuff like waiting for Punk or waiting for Foley. So I thought that was good. I also thought, like you said, going back to the production side of it, that the the content they brought in and the talent they brought in to talk on stage was great. Yeah, for the ones that we saw. So now downstairs there was Collector's Corner, which was very interesting to me. I wasn't sure what I was expecting based off of what other people described, but it was just a conference room full of tables and, you know, people selling stuff and wrestlers hanging out at certain tables, chit-chatting and taking pictures and, you know, selling their merch and items and stuff. There was people tattooing, <laughs> you know, there was wrestle travel, wrestling travel, of course, and there were, well, there was this really cool guy up front, had all this wrestling pottery, that was really neat, Sergeant Slaughter was in the corner, I mean, it was very interesting and kind of really laid back and casual, and it, that was really, really cool. I, a uh, quick shout out, got to meet Alicia Toot down there, and wow, what a gem she is. Um, as you guys know, I did an interview with her a couple weeks back now, and I was so excited to meet her in person, so that was really dope. What did you think about Collector's Corner? Yeah, look, I thought Collector's Corner was cool that it was kind of ever-evolving. You had different talent down there, different stuff, different parts of the day. Always good to have vendors and see what people are bringing. Uh, To me, it was a place where you had to go find things and discover things. It wasn't handed to you like, oh, here's the schedule of events. So that was pretty neat. It was a nice place to be able to break some time in between panels and whatnot and go check out and see what was going on. Yeah, I liked that quite a bit. The uh, shout out to Mark and Allison, by the way, at the registration desk. They were very, very nice. Happy to meet them in person. They, you know, took care of us, got us our, <laughs> our checked in so we could get our platinum bundle and our bracelets and everything we needed. And they were very, very helpful. But as far as some things that might need some improvement, something that stuck out to me was the 
line for CM Punk's autograph signings. Now, Mr. Queen and I spent nearly three hours, and I'm not kidding, nearly three hours tag teaming in and out, by the way, so we could go to Collector's Corner or the bathroom or whatever in order to meet Punk. Now, that's something that I really wanted to do. I got it on the flash sale, full disclosure. I was like, well, if I only have to pay X amount of money, I'm going to do it. So I did it. Um, That's something I would not do again because of the amount of waiting that we had to do. Now, I understand a lot of people bought tickets to meet him and whatever. That's cool. That's not my problem. I think the staff did the best they could to move people along. But something that I would suggest that was taking up a lot of time were people signing personal items. And I know he did two meet and greets. He did one in the morning while McFoley was going on. And he did one after, directly after his hour and a half panel. So for me, the personal item thing was a big issue because it was taking up an enormous amount of time to pull him away from taking a picture, come on over to this little table and sign some things. So that for me was a little, mm, I don't know. And what I actually heard standing in line was that the morning signings actually ran over into the afternoon. So they had to stop it. People who were supposed to be in the morning ended up in the afternoon. That's what made the lines longer. I completely agree with you, I think. There's some things you can do there, especially with top-tier talent. Maybe it's charge more and sell less if you're going to do personal signings or something like that. But it's it. there were there must have been hundreds, if not close to a thousand people mm-hmm. who tried to meet Punk. From and both to, signings. From both signings. Yeah. And to his credit, he met every single person. He wasn't yeah. trying to rush folks. But you were starting to get to the time where the all-out buses were leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, pre-show parties were being missed. There needs to be some timing thought about there. If you know, if everybody's going to go from StarCast to All Out or to another event or something like that, uh, it didn't seem like that flowed as well as it could have. Yeah, that was something that I didn't like as much due to the fact that we were pushing so close to when we needed to be at the Sears Center for All Out. That made me a little nervous because, you know, we had to eat and we had to do things. And, you know, you paid all this money to meet him. I mean, I didn't. I paid half. But still, I paid this money to meet him. I want to meet him. So I'm not going to, like, take myself out of the line after waiting. You know, and part of that's on me, right? I should have probably prepared a little bit better and gone to the morning one and skipped McFoley. But then I would have missed McFoley. So, you know, there's that. And along that theme of lines, right? I think if I were to have... Conrad and the StarCast team think a little bit more about things for next year. It's all about the fact that they've become a victim of their own success, which is the kind of the best compliment possible. The event's getting bigger, it's getting more popular, more people are coming. So what you're ending up with is starting to have to think about the logistics of bigger and bigger crowds. Everything from the little stuff, like signage on the exterior of the building. I mean, I'll say for us, it was a bit of a hunt and find where the parking was. What entrance do you go in? Oh, it's not this one. Oh, it's this one over here. Uh, to maps for where the stuff was going to be. To look, I mean, the, the venue was nice. But the fact that the largest space in the venue couldn't fit everybody and you had folks waiting in line two, two and a half hours and deciding between talent, to me, is a bit of a problem. Right, you know, I think if you're going to pay at the top tier eight, nine hundred dollars for these sorts of events, mm-hmm. you got to be able to give differentiated offerings, and you have to prevent people from having to do that sort of waiting. Uh, to the Starcast team, look, there's events every year like South by Southwest at Austin that handle this really, really well. They take a hundred thousand people and they move them around, and yes, there's lines and things, but there's folks who have mastered that art. 
I think, you know, you guys have been doing great. It's just about, okay, now you have to expect more people. And what does that look like? And is it, we're going to give more, more content while you're waiting in the lines? Do you think about maybe doing multi-tracks where people have to choose between different events and maybe go from a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, half a Sunday format to a Friday, Saturday, Sunday format that's a little easier for everybody to attend? You know, all things to think about for the future. Yeah, I think that was my other thing. Not only is it challenging for people, you know, who are working to take time off to come to these events, it's also a challenge because it's Labor Day weekend. And, you know, I get it. It's a three-day weekend, but, you know, not everybody can go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and part of Sunday for the few signings that were left. So for me, it's disappointing because I couldn't be there from the beginning, and I missed so much of what I wanted to do because they were only on Thursday or only on Friday during the morning hours. And by the time we got there, Friday, we landed at about 5 p.m. We tried to check in and check-in had closed earlier than the email had said. You know, we missed out on things on Friday night. So that would be the only thing that I would say in terms of, you know, timing. Maybe just think about the days. You know, some people were lucky enough and fortunate enough to be able to do that and to go to all four days or all three and change days or arrive for Thursday, Friday, but not a lot of people were able to. So like people that did signings and things on Thursday and on Friday, I wasn't able to do and miss. And I know I'm not the only one. I would just say, you know, think about overbooking the opportunities so that people have a chance to have great experiences throughout their entire stay. It felt like it was a very linear event because they wanted to give everybody the chance to see everything that came along. Mm -hmm. What that ended up creating were dead spots, long lines in places, dead spots in another. And look, StarCast had people, we met folks from Scandinavia who flew 13 hours over in Mm -hmm. order to attend the event. That's a a real responsibility to make sure they have a fantastic three days worth of content. I'm not saying it wasn't fantastic. Do I think that if you overbooked and I said, well, I didn't get to see CM Punk, but I saw these other two panels or this or that. You know, I think more choose your own adventure than than linear line might be a way to go in, in future events. Though I will say that the people who were able to come from Thursday forward probably got a much more involved choose your own adventure experience than people who came later. Fair enough. Because they had the opportunity to do so yep. and meet uh, the other folks that were doing signings or the other panels or the things that were happening, uh, especially on Thursday and into Friday. In terms of StarCast, I would say, I think I would go again, but only if I could make it for all of the days. I also felt like, you know, to no fault of anybody's own, obviously, pulling Mox because of his injury, that's kind of hard, right? That's the thing that people were looking forward to. And like I said, that's no one's fault. Things happen. That's life. But the replacement, you know, it's hard to get last minute. You know, things were changing. It wasn't Uh, as advertised, of course, which is always disappointing for some people. But overall, if I could go again, I would, if I could attend all of the days and make everything that I wanted to make. I feel like if I was unable to and they did another one on Labor Day weekend, that's going to be tough for me. And I know, obviously, there are other people out there. But just from my perspective, it's not really a good weekend for that kind of stuff. And I know that Tony Khan said they want to do this every year. You know, would I go again in the future? It's possible, but I highly doubt it on Labor Day weekend anyway. So that's StarCast. Let's talk about GCW. 
The thing we did do on Friday night was... <laughs> and Saturday morning, depending on how you count and, it. And Saturday morning, depending on how you count it, <laughs> was attend GCW's slash BLP's Two Cups Stuffed. Here was the card. Gary J versus Warhorse. Eric Stevens and Filthy Tom Lawler versus Violence is Forever. Ethan Page versus Homicide. A six-way Lucha All-Star match with Black Taurus, Laredo Kid, Gringo Loco versus Ray Horace, Arez, and Ophidian. We had Orange Cassidy versus Gangrel. We had a Doors, Ladders, and Chairs match with Blake Christian, Jimmy Lloyd, Alex Zane, G. Raver, Matthew Justice, and Kobe Durst. We had <laughs> Jerry Lawler versus Mance Warner and Nick fucking Gage versus Effie. First of all, you guys, this show started at 11 p.m. <laughs> There's your first thing. So after a whole thing, a day of travel, we get there. We eat dinner. We go. Pops comes with us. And we go <laughs> to this. What would you call that space? So what it was, was a soccer training arena during the day. Like, that's what it was. It was several indoor half-court soccer fields in a what looked to be an old concrete warehouse, essentially. Mm -hmm. And they had taken one of the half-soccer fields and essentially cleared it out and rolled up the AstroTurf and put a wrestling ring in the middle of it. Yep. (laughs) Which was awesome. It was awesome. So we get there, and there's a bunch of people just out and about and doing whatever. And uh, that's when I got to meet Orange Cassidy, and I almost died of excitement. So I got to meet Orange Cassidy. We took a picture. He was wonderful, lovely, lovely person. Uh, Really, really cool. So that was really fun. And then we started watching some madness. So it started off easy enough. You know, low key. Nothing crazy. Lies.com. This is GCW. Everything was fucking crazy. So let's talk about a couple of the, the high points and the low points. Yeah, look, I mean, again, congrats to, to GCW. I thought the wrestling across the board was really well done. It's awesome. I thought, you know, it was a big space. It wasn't like, you know, you and I have been in some small high school gyms mm-hmm. that are about 130 degrees while this stuff goes down, and, and that wasn't that. Um, I almost died twice uh, as, <laughs> as part of that. And no, we were not first row ringside. We were fourth row ringside in the back corner. And even that madness made it to that side of the ring. So, so I do hope GCW is is paid up on their liability <laughs> insurance policies because that was some craziness. Yeah, um, there was that. You know, again, you can you can complain about little things like there was you know no parking anywhere and they oversold and they had people standing versus chairs and all that stuff. But I think the the atmosphere was really cool. Yeah, you had folks from Starcast coming to help and staff GCW and vice versa, and so. Really, really cool event. Uh, heck of a time to start at 11 p.m. I know why they did it, which was because of the StarCast schedule. But that is a rough day, my friends, when you start that early and end up at like 3 in the morning still watching people beat the crap out of each other. Uh, and you're, you're driving back to, to the hotel uh, in deserted streets on the outskirts of <laughs> Chicago going, okie doke. Yeah. <laughs> what did I just watch? Yeah. Exactly. God bless Mr. Queen. He sat through a GCW match. And to be honest, I kept looking over at him and he was smiling like a fool. He loved it. There was a couple matches that he liked best. 
Um, so I'll let him tell you what he enjoyed the most. Yeah, and I, I you know, not to go through the full card. Um, no, we won't. Couple, and, and we won't. A <laughs> couple of ones that surprised us. Uh, you know, the I'll start with the, the Jerry the King Lawler match <laughs> just because, look, it had a WWE flair to it. They must have talked for oh, uh, 15, 20 minutes. And I thought it was going to be a squash match. You know, it was talking and then it was going to be quick. It was not. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler ended up, you know, beating up uh, Mans a bit and tossing him around the the audience. You know, at some points, and and a theme for for all of GCW, which I don't think will surprise anyone, I turned to Queen at several occasions and went, why the, in all goodness, do they have the ring? Just get the ring out of there. They can fight on the concrete because they're (laughs) fighting on the concrete anyways and the chairs and everything else. (laughs) You know, it's like 80% of the match is outside the ring, 20% is inside the ring. Um, so, so, you know, that one was interesting. Wait, let me stop you there. Jerry the King Lawler did a door spot. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> he actually put him through a door. He did. He did. I, I, that was something I did not ever think would come out of my mouth at this age in 2019. <laughs> so there was that. Um, you know, I, I, the, the doors, ladders and chairs match. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely hardcore. I think one of the guys ended up getting pretty seriously injured he and did. they had to take him out. So look, all the best. I hope he, he recovers well. And I think there were a couple of points there, especially just when he got injured. Yeah. And and by the way, there's some video of that that Queen has up on Twitter of the exact moment that this guy took uh, four uh, light things. Light tubes. Light tubes. To the face. To the face yep. on top of a ladder like 12 feet in the air. So, you, you know, go see all of that. Uh, big shout out though, Matt Justice ended up not only climbing <laughs> on top of a 12 foot thing, but then like grabbing the steel girder of the, the warehouse roof and shimmying himself up another yeah. 10 feet before dropping to the concrete. Nutty, nutty. Go see it if you haven't, if they're, if you haven't seen the pictures of My that man. yet. man, Matthew Justice, dude, you're a hardcore man. So, I'm watching him climb this thing like monkey bars and I'm like, this motherfucker is going to drop himself from the ceiling. I cannot. And he also did a great spot with uh, them on the ladder. He threw a chair at people. They all fell. Then he took a huge bump on two tables. It was crazy. Lots, lots of, of craziness there. You know, the audience chanted on a few different occasions, please don't die. Yeah. And the first one was funny. The second one was a little more serious. And by the third one, they were like, okay, we're, we're, we, we've had our fill <laughs> of that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Plus, other- uh, Logan Stunt got thrown into the oh, audience. Yeah. Yes. There yes. was that. Marco came out. And, and it, was it wild. And it wasn't even like you think thrown into the audience, like somebody's just going to kind of go boop and then it's crowd surfing. No, this dude kind of full out momentum tossed this guy in. Mm-hmm. And the second and third row of people who were not plants, by the way, ended up catching this guy. And it, it, oh yeah, there's it, no plants. It's just the audience. Plants. Yeah, yeah. The yep, there's broke beer bottles everywhere. Um, it's crazy. Look, the the six way lucha match was also great. Oh, best match it, of the night. Best opinion. match of the night. Great spots. Great aerobatics. Great all that sort of stuff. Um, Queen's about to yell at me. One of the worst matches of the night for me was the Orange Cassidy match. Oh, here we go. I don't get the gimmick. I don't get the guy. He's a nice enough guy when you meet him. But put your hands in your pockets. I'm paying you to actually watch you entertain me. And instead, you're coming up like it's, uh, you know, this whole lackadaisical, I can't even get my thumb straight up in order to give you a thumbs up thing. (laughs) No, 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 thank you. Pops is going to love this right now because he, he didn't like Orange Cassidy at first either. See, this wasn't a good representation because it was Gangrel. 
But if you watch an Orange Cassidy match, that that's how it starts. And then you start to see things. When that man goes, he goes very well. But Orange Cassidy's a polarizing guy. Either you get him or you don't. And it's I'm obsessed. One, it's 1.15 in the morning. I don't need to <laughs> have anything start slow. It needs to happen. People need to get beat up. Some spots need to happen. They need to get pinned. And we need to move on. Like, if it had been 7 o'clock at night and Orange Cassidy would have been there, like, getting the crowd hyped up with his little, like, ankle kick things, maybe. Oh, but, Lord. But 1.15 in the morning, no thank you. Oh, hot takes from Mr. Queen. Well, we're a house divided on that. <laughs> and we're a house divided a little bit later, too. But overall, I'm going to say that GCW was an enormous amount of fun. I do wish it didn't go until 2 a.m. Well, a little after 2 a.m. I really wish that that didn't happen. <laughs> But I get it. Um, I feel like if it was earlier in the night, I it would have been a little bit better. We were just tired. But by the time it was over, I was just like, there's so much beer around me. Everybody's shit-faced. People are flying light tubes in the face. It was wildly fun, but wildly tiring because I was afraid someone's going to get seriously hurt, which they ended up getting. So. One last hot take for, for at GCW or whatever the handle is. Oh, God. Next year. Just rent the parking lot behind StarCast. <laughs> Don't even need to put up a ring. Just put some chairs in a circle and we can do the, the, the cage matches right there. Oh, God. And then when people are, are drunk off their ass, they can just wander back into the hotel instead of having to find their way through the neighborhoods of, <laughs> of outskirts of Chicago home. Oh, Lord. Well, you heard it here first. Mr. Queen is a, a safety person. He's safety first. So that's that. Uh, at this point, we're going to take a quick quick commercial break and then we're coming back to break down all out and the vip after party oh honey i have thoughts And we're back, and it's time to talk about AEW's All Out. So let's start with the buy-in. So the show opens up, we start with the Casino Battle Royale for the ladies this year. Very exciting stuff. What do you think about the opening contest in this Casino Battle Royale? I thought it was a really solid way to start off the show. I thought there was a bunch of great spots. I thought the ladies, you know, uh, showed themselves out well. You're going to hear this as a recurring theme for me, but I think, you know, with these AEW events, they have a very strong women's division. Should be highlighted a little more than I think the, the card ended up doing. Uh, but I, I thought it was a really good way to start things off. Yeah, really happy to see all the participants. Mercedes as the Joker was absolute insanity. Did not see that one coming. Did not expect that. Very happy. Uh, the winner has caused a lot of controversy on Twitter because some people, you know, are very disrespectful. So we're not going to comment on that here. It's all positivity. 
But I'm very pleased that Nyla Rose won. I loved that for her. I'm excited for her. I'm excited for the women's division and what we'll get to a little bit later. We'll talk a little bit about her versus, well, we'll talk about it. Um, the things that I liked in the Casino Battle Royale, loved seeing my girl Teal Piper come out and participate in it. That was wild. Seeing Jazz was super fun. Sadie Gibbs put on what a freaking show she did. Really cool. Britt Baker attacking B Priestley. I loved. It was violent. It was really in your face. Loved that a lot. Yeah, so the Casino Battle Royale was a nice way to kick off the show. I enjoyed it. Um, seeing Priscilla Kelly also. Oh, mm-hmm. so excited. Tiff, we called it. We said we were going to see her, and we saw her. So very happy about all that. Enjoyable, enjoyable. The second match was Private Party mm-hmm. versus Angelico and Jack Evans, and that rounded out our buy-in experience. What did you think about this tag team I thought it was also a really good tag team match. Look, you know, AEW's coming to be known for these, uh, call them very long, spot-filled interactions that end in a draw kind of thing. Um, and Private Party and, uh, uh, you know, Angelico and Jack Evans certainly delivered some of those, call them, you know, minute-long, tossing people back and forth, everybody ending up kind of in... in Posing on either side of the ring, showing off that they, you know, weren't that hurt. I thought that was really cool. Lots of good spots there. Um, I like Private Party just in general. I think they're a great tag team. I think they present well. I think they wrestle well. Uh, didn't know uh, Angelico and Jack Evans prior to this match. Thought they were good. Um, I do think they got overshadowed in the full card. You know, this match there mm-hmm. there were other better tag team matches, but. Very. If this was the low point of of tag team matches, AEW starting out on a really high bar. Oh yeah, they have the best tag team division ever. Uh, that's just right now in in the world of wrestling. In my opinion, they have the most stacked tag team division. Um, this match was good, not great. It was good. I expected more. I don't know why, but I just thought it was going to be better, and I was a little bit disappointed by the end of it. They had some great spots though. Private Party is great. I enjoy them, um, but. You know, thinking about the buy-in afterwards, like after it happened, I didn't think it was as good as I thought it was in the moment. Because mm. I was enjoying it, but then like on retrospect, I was like, oh, it was just okay. Um, I know that they're trying to get people into their buy-ins more, and they've taken some missteps with the last few pay-per-views, in my opinion, with their buy-ins. This was definitely by far the most solid one, and I'm sure will only improve with time. But when you have that tag team match and then you go right into the actual pay-per-view and your first match is SCU versus a small boy, a boy, and Luchasaurus and his dinosaur, of course, um, that was tag team stellarness, in my opinion. What did you think about SCU and yeah. this crew? <laughs> yeah, so, so and, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll push back a little. I don't know if I saw tag team stellarness. Uh, I thought SCU was really good. Uh, look, the crowd was way over on Luchasaurus. I think we're all over on Luchasaurus and what he's doing I really, really liked. Uh, he, it's very clear that him and Jungle Boy are a, a strong team, and they work well together, and there's a lot of stuff going there. You add Marco into the mix, and it's clear they haven't found a real full rhythm with him yet. And so I didn't, I didn't find it as fulfilling as a three-on-three than I would have as maybe a two-on-two. But I thought SCU was, uh, I, again, I, one I didn't know before this and one I was real happy with. 
Yeah, SCU normally wrestles as a trio, or sometimes they'll do uh, just duos. But Marco Stunt isn't normally with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Um, they just put them together for this match. And obviously, because Marco just signed with AEW, I actually thought it was great. Very entertaining. I enjoyed it. I thought the interplay um, between SCU and Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy were excellent. Marco does what Marco does. And I think you either like it or you don't. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. I thought they put on a stellar opening match. I think they should just continue to open the show because they kick ass. It, it was a great way to open the show, no doubt about it. I mean, you had a crowd that was still filing in, that was still, you know, there, there was excitement, but then it was like, oh, okay, the show started, so it died down a little bit, and that match really brought everybody back up. So, so in that way, I thought it was really good. Yeah, absolutely. So what was interesting here is... That SCU wins. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I should mention that uh, Private Party won the buy-in. I forgot to mention that. But SCU won, <clears throat> which was cool. Uh, and this company, you know, they talk a lot about how wins and losses matter. I think it really doesn't matter as much until TV starts. But we're rolling into this. is the first pay-per-view, or I guess the last pay-per-view. Yeah, the last pay-per-view before TV starts. Not really the first, but the first... Uh, real solid moment before we begin TV. Mm-hmm. So it matters in, in a way. Um, but SCU was victorious in this match, and I loved that. I was totally fine that uh, that they won. I didn't think it really hurt anyone, no. really. Uh, Jungle Boy, of course, as usual, showed out, and Luchasaurus is one of my favorite people right now. I don't think you could do much to, to Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus at this point to affect uh, uh, how over they are with the audience. I think that's going to continue for a while, and, and it's deservedly so. Absolutely. As JPQ said, never underestimate the power of dinosaurs and that how, uh, how many people love them. Exactly. So <laughs> it's true. We're all little kids at heart. We are. Uh, the next match I was shocked that it was second. Shocked. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure we were going to get the ladies. <clears throat> we didn't. We got Pac versus Kenny Omega. And what the hell. Um, you guys know me. You know that Kenny Omega is like my number one other than Okada. So I was fangirling really hard and I was really excited. And I can't believe I saw him in person. And I was freaking out. And then Pac comes out and what a match. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was match. awesome. What did you think about seeing Kenny versus Pac? I thought, you know, it was pretty spectacular. I mean, especially given the fact that there was that, you know, swap last minute with Mox and and what happened there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there was some real magic and chemistry there. Uh, You know, Pac did a great job playing the just absolute heel and, and got the audience. You know, it wasn't cheap heat. It was real heat. And I think there there was a lot there. Kenny doesn't disappoint when he wrestles. Mm. Uh, so just fantastic spots across the board. They were using the ring. They were using the outside of the ring. They were using pretty much everything at their disposal. I wasn't a big fan of the ending. Yeah. Like, I, that, to me, just was was kind of a cheap way to end what was a great match. Yeah, I got it. He got him in a lock. He caused him to pass out. There's probably some storyline there. But for something like that, you really do expect for that quality of, of the 99% of the match... That it's going to end spectacularly. People are going to be on their feet. And I think half the audience was pretty stunned that that it ended with a referee stoppage when it did. 100%. People were shocked. I, myself included. That that's how it ended. I wasn't... I mean, like I said, I never vote against Kenny ever. But I wasn't surprised that Pac was going to win. But 
the way it happened surprised me a lot. And I was like, whoa. I mean, what a shock. Everybody around us in the crowd was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Kenny passed out? What do you mean? It was kind of, it was just weird. Um, I'm assuming that there's, you know, there's some sort of point to this. Something's going on. Something's happening. Um, you know, because Kenny's record isn't really too hot right now. Um, but that match, whew, that match was hot. Mm-hmm. Tiffany was texting on Twitter saying, someone check on Queen. Uh, she was right to do that. I was freaking out. I needed a fan. Hashtag get the fan. Woo, sorry, Mr. Queen, but you know how much I love Kenny Omega. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't help it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't help it. But but I do think, so that was a fantastic match. Sure. And then the next one, to me, even superseded it. So, so this one, to me, was... It's hard to pick a favorite of this card. I thought it this it was a pretty special event, but this one to me probably topped the the favorite list for me. As well, it should because it was fantastic. Because of course it was Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen versus Joey Janela in the Cracker Barrel Clash. Freaking barrels from Cracker Barrel Barrel, and you know it's gonna get fucking crazy. And biscuits. Don't forget the And the biscuits. biscuits. Yes. Well, of course, the biscuits. You can't go anywhere in Cracker Barrel without those biscuits because they are amazing. Um, but what a spectacle this was. I think this was actually one of my favorite matches of the night as well. I really enjoyed that. I love the skateboard spot with Darby mm-hmm. Allen and the thumbtacks. Mm-hmm. I love when Jimmy was paper cutting Joey Janela and then he flipped him over and Joey was still in the chair. That was wild. Um the staple gun. Well, the funny part about the staple gun is I feel like somebody at AEW told Jimmy Havoc that he couldn't use the staple <laughs> gun on anybody. And Jimmy was like, okay, fine, I'll use it on myself. And so started the match by stapling himself a couple times. And it's like, okay, so we can't get a hardcore match because of, of where we are and what we're doing. But this was pretty close to it. Absolutely. And he did use it on Joey Janela, but it was... Spectacular. I so enjoyed this. I was pumped Jimmy won. Just for, yeah, I love Jimmy fucking Havoc. He is so crazy. And shout out to Pops for coming through in clutch because I couldn't make the Jimmy Havoc meet and greet and he did it for me. Ah, oh, I love him. But I love them all really in, in very different ways. So, you know, it's very interesting they gave it to Havoc. I'm, I'm excited. A little bit cautious and a little bit anxious as to how they're going to translate this to TV because I don't want to lose any of that. So, but regardless, it was great. And to your point, skateboard spot is definitely the number one to me spot of the night. I will have a, if it's not a meme already, somebody who's listening to this in the wrestling universe, (laughs) make it a meme and send it to Queen for me because the fact that he jumped off, used somebody's back to skateboard on and then landed Works perfectly well for me, and somebody needs to send it to Tony Hawk so that the guy can get uh, sponsored as well. <laughs> there you go. Yes, Darby is a skateboarder, um, and uh, we need a GIF. That's yes. what we need. Yes. We can get that. The next uh, match was the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson with their Creepers versus the best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta in a tag team match. My favorite tag team match. Also of the night. known as the match where everybody went and got food. They were like, okay, oh, now I, I can get a beer, now I can get food, we gotta get ready for the main events. I agree, this was not my favorite one of the, the night. There wasn't there there was a couple of miscues, but just there there wasn't some magic. And it's it's hard because you had a card that was just full of magic, mm-hmm. and then there was one that was just good. And you take that good match to any one of our 
not to use names, but syndicated on TV shows, <laughs> and it would have been a main event. But this one, it just fell flat amongst all the others. Yeah, I didn't like it as much. Um, the Dark Order's finisher, I like a lot. That was cool. Um, I was glad the Creepers didn't really get involved as much, uh, you know, other than taking people's flying leaps over the ropes. But yeah. that part was good. I like the best friends, but you want to move on? I'm talking. This is the thing. Okay, let me pause right here and let me tell you. that This man, Mr. Queen, who I invited as a special guest onto the show, is trying to run my show and has tried to run it yesterday and tell me what we're going to talk about when. And then right now he's telling me to move along. This is... I don't understand this. So I don't know if he's coming back. If you like me, keep me. Start a hashtag. But it's about... It's just about neurons where they should be. And to me, this match wasn't one that you need to, to spend a lot of time on. Okay. Well, look at you, Mr. Wrestling Commentator. Um, well, the thing that happened after, of course, which was revealed on Being the Elite in a funny spot, is that Jungle Boy is the one that cut the lights <laughs> to nice. reveal Orange Cassidy, of course, freshly squeezed, coming out, jumping through the ropes with his hands in his pockets, doing his thing. And then, of course, the best friend's Orange Cassidy hug. I loved that. It was a fun little surprise and very, very exciting. The next match, I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> and, the, oh, I should also say the Dark Order won, of course. So they received the first round buy-in in the uh, AW Tag Team Championship Tournament. The next match, of course, was going to decide who was going to face Nyla Rose, because, of course, she won the... Um, Casino Battle Royale. So it was Riho versus Hikirushida. I was very upset with the audience and people around us in our section. 100% agree. It was vile, not only for Nyla, but vile for this match. This match, Riho versus Shida, is some excellent stuff from Joshi Wrestling. Mm -hmm. And it's exciting. And I know not a lot of people know who they are. I know that makes it tough. And I know it's a little bit on them to show out, which they did. Was it the best women's match of all time? No. Was it a very solid showing from these two? Yes, it was. What made it hard to enjoy was the fact that people were leaving in mass exodus. We had people screaming terrible things at them. Not only like, I don't want to see this, blah, blah, blah. But like nasty racist type stuff that mm. I just, I can't abide mm. by that kind of shit. Mm. So that made it really upsetting for me. But that aside, I loved seeing these two. I was hoping Sheeta was going to win. But Riho is a great choice. The girl faced Minoru Suzuki when she was 12. This girl can handle Nyla Rose. I'm not afraid about that. I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, she's so skinny. She's so small. How is she ever going to beat? You know, Nyla, and because, you know, a um, few pay-per-views back, her and Yuka were a tag team, and they beat uh, Nyla, which for a lot of people, they don't like that the big monster beast woman lost to a skinny little 100-pound mm -hmm. chick. To that I say, well, then how can Rey Mysterio be champion in WWE yep. and face, like, the big show or, like, Anybody who's smaller than Brock Lesnar beat Brock Lesnar. You know, it's not... You have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. It's David and Goliath, and it's okay to have that for women as well. 
And I, I don't have a lot to add to that. I completely agree with the audience. You know, I, I will say AEW does need to step up their game a little bit in how they're they're representing their women's division. And that's just for me, production value. Look, there was, you know, they, they did the women's match in all white light versus colored lights. I know that was a choice. I don't think it was the best choice for them. The, the entrance packages weren't great in setting up the story as they were for the rest of the matches, which I thought, you know, that, that seemed really out of place. Um, the way it came off to, to a non-hardcore wrestling fan was a little bit of a David and Goliath, with, with Riho being the, the, the smaller kind of David against what appeared from the beginning to be, you know, Sheeta's match. Um, I think it was great that Riho ended up winning. I think it does end up setting up a much bigger David versus Goliath story in, in you know, the next for the championship match. Uh, but I was a little disappointed in AEW and how they decided to present that and the point in the card they decided to present that. Yeah, me too. I, I was very disappointed in that as well. I feel like if it was earlier, they would have been better off in that way. And that's not their fault. That's on the audience. And uh, in terms of putting it in this part, I know they tried to spread it out and give people you know, a break or whatever, but I think they did them a disservice by putting them here. But <clears throat> regardless, it's going to be Riho versus Nyla on TNT on October the 2nd, and we will have our very first women's champion in AEW. That belt is a fucking badass. And what I love about that belt as well for the ladies, it's not frilly. It doesn't have butterflies on it. It's not pink. It's not, you know, typical like, oh, look, it's a women's belt. No, screw that. It is a belt worthy of a champion. And that's the kind of shit and message from AEW that I love. And that's something that they really support and push throughout. The next match was Cody with MJF ultimately defeating Sean Spears, who came out with Tully Blanchard. So we know that Cody wins. But let's talk about the match itself. I want to touch on the entrance really quick, because this is another thing that was a little bit controversial in terms of, you know, Brandy's walking down with Pharaoh, and then DDP joins her, and MJF joins her, and they're all in Star Trek type mm-hmm. gear, which I thought was wicked cool. I thought it was too. Loved that. And then they're bringing Pharaoh out, and then Cody comes out through the chandelier, rising from the floor, craziness happens. And then all this pyro goes off, and Brandy comes out with Pharaoh and DDP and MJF, and you could see how terrified it was, you know, for Pharaoh. He had his tail between his legs. He kept looking back at the tunnel. I feel like Cody said somewhere, I can't remember where right now, that the pyro went off at the wrong time. But I feel like if you're going to have all that, that poor dog. I felt terrible for the dog. The dog clearly wanted to be anywhere but there. And to be honest, if I had been a dog and not been around 10,000 people and things blowing up, I probably would have been nervous too. So, you know, look, I thought it was a a well thought out entrance. I I like the Star Trek theme to it. But but yeah, that, that, that was a little bit of a miscue. Yeah, I feel like Pharaoh should have stayed in the back. Like, you could have had him in the shot or whatever, but, like, leave him alone. Mm-hmm. It's it's too scary for the poor dog. I didn't like that at all. I thought that was in poor taste. Leave him alone. But the entrance was great overall in terms of the theme and the presentation. And then he chooses MJF. We had a spectacular match between these two. I mean, absolutely stellar. One of my favorites of the night. Cody was in the crowd they, uh, with Sean, of course. And we had the amazing appearance of Double A Arn Anderson with that freaking spine buster. We had MJF facing off against Tully, which had to be like a dream come true for MJF. So cool 
this match was. And Cody ended up being victorious. We didn't get an MJF turn like some of us were thinking was going to happen. But what did you think about Cody versus Sean? Yeah, so I thought, you know, the nice part about this match, I agree, fantastic wrestling on, on both parts, great spots. But there was just a lot going on with the theatrics that made it really entertaining to watch because there were a lot of different power dynamics happening all at once. There was, you know, obviously Cody and Sean, but then there was MJF and there was... Then there was the ref, and it was the ref versus the wrestler sometimes, and then the ref versus the folks on the outside. And then at the end of the match, you know, MJF picks up the chair like he's going to turn, but doesn't. So there was a... It was very carefully choreographed, and I appreciated the precision with which the choreographing took place. I thought that added a lot to the content. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. The thing that I liked best was Sean Spears dragging that chair down the ramp. Ooh, honey. That's the kind of heel stuff I want to see, so keep going with that. What an excellent match. Really enjoyed it. The next one was Absolute Mayhem. In the best way possible. In the best way possible. With the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon, and Ray versus the Young Bucks. Woo! Holy crap. That was madness. The amount of spots that we saw off ladders. The amount of times people hit ladders, went through tables... Jumped off things. Jumped through ladders. Uh, yeah, the, the, wow. the jumping through the through the A-frame of the ladder in order to tackle somebody from the outside of the ring was, was spectacular. I do think, again, more gifts. There needs to be something online that says the many ways you can use ladders and just <laughs> use that match as an example. Because you're right. There was probably 20 or 30 different ways and times they used those ladders. Yep. And I thought that was really, really good. And, and it certainly... You know, to the Young Bucks' credit, they have a lot of experience in ladder matches. They brought that to bear. You know, there was a lot of talk about, do the, can the Lucha Brothers match up? Do they have what it takes to, to participate in a match like this? Clearly, they brought it to the table. The Young Bucks helped them get over in so many ways on that, and I thought that was all really good. Oh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Of course, it was for the AAA World Tag Team Championships, and uh, the Lucha Brothers were successful in, in that match. Got the belts as they should, I think. And, uh, ooh, little so things. I loved black and gold ladders. I love that theme. I think that's great. I enjoyed Pentagon Jr.'s blue outfit, hashtag wrestling fashion. I love that the Bucks put on masks. I thought that was really cool, Buck masks, you know, dears. Um, I thought that was great. I mean, the whole presentation of the ladder match was absolutely spectacular. By the time it was over, I was like, is someone hurt? Like, I feel like my back is hurting, and I wasn't even in that match. Well, what I think will be really interesting, too, is it sets up a a split of that rivalry now, in my mind. So when you get to TV, you have the Lucha Brothers looking for a new opponent, and the Young Bucks looking for, you know, or somebody else coming up to challenge the Young Bucks. So it kind of, it temporarily ended that story, and I think it put some people on some new arcs, and that'll be interesting to see how they play that. Well, I would certainly say so, because we had a surprise attack, like I said was going to happen. Everyone was like, nah, they're not showing up. We hoped they would show up, but people were like, nah, mm-mm, nope. Oh, I'm sorry. Who was there? L-A-X. A showed up in masks, laid waste in the ring, took off those masks, and the place lost their minds. Officially, with LAX joining AEW, Whew, I can't wait to see that contract offering and being the elite at some point. So whatever they're going to put that out, I can't wait to see that. 
Oh, they're here, baby. I can't wait personally for the Lucha Brothers LAX match for the title. I'm going to call it now. I think they're going to get themselves into contention for it. Get it. And I think that'll be a fantastic example of Lucha slash Lucha hybrid uh, inspired wrestling there. And that'll be really, really cool. Slash insanity slash LAX versus Young Bucks slash LAX versus everybody. I can't wait for this. It's going to be crazy. So I love that surprise as well. And then we had the last and final match for the AEW World Championship on the line. Chris Jericho versus Adam Page. Firstly, shall we start with Adam Page coming in on a horse? Yep, on a horse. And, and wait a second, who who called that of the two of us? Yeah. Wait a second, we were on that side of the ring and I went, uh, what was that? Queen? Oh, oh, right. That's right. I said he was coming in on a horse. <laughs> you did. He, he definitely called that because I think he's going to come in on a horse. I said, what the F? And he said, look over here, you know, on the side, right? There's something going on. There's a lot of security, a lot of things happening. And sure enough, out comes Adam Page riding a horse, doing cowboy shit. I can't at, believe he rode a horse. At AEW, I'm going to call it right now. You need to top it, and what needs to happen next time is it needs to be an elephant. Oh, he God. He needs to come in on a 14 or 15 foot no. tall bull elephant. No. Just, just for the record, that he could slide down his trunk just like Legolas and Lord of the Rings. Okay. So I'm just saying, Listen, you know, start, no. start there. And, and Off the rails. Get out of here, Mr. Queen. We know you're kidding, because that's not going to happen. Um, craziness. Um, this match, though, I'm going to be real, wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like a lot of it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was slow. I thought it was... It was real slow. And even I, I, I think I mentioned that to you mm-hmm. one or two times. I said, is it just me or is it slow? Yeah. And it just, it did not have the pacing it needed to have. It mm-hmm. did not have the energy it needed to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I mean, I, I think... Not that it was a foregone conclusion that Jericho was going to win. Oh, I think um, it was. <laughs> but to, to me, it, it kind of looked like that from the way the bell started. And, and I just, again, you're, you're, you're talking about folks who just went after spectacular matches. Mm-hmm. And that should raise the game. And I don't think it's, I don't know what happened there, but it just didn't feel like it was clicking like it should have clicked. Yeah, I felt the same way. It was still good. It wasn't bad by any means. It wasn't like, oh my God, that was the most terrible match. It wasn't that at all. It was good. It just wasn't great. And you would expect that the match for the first title ever would be spectacular. And it Mm -hmm. just wasn't. Now, it could be for a lot of reasons. But for me, I think I was expecting more. There were some good spots in it. I thought it was good. The blade job by Jericho, I didn't like as much. Uh, I know he was supposed to be bleeding or whatever, but... mm. And, uh, you know, I figured he was going to win, and he did. And I think he should win. You know, I think going into TV... I've said this already on, on last week's episode and on several other people's shows. If you want the name recognition, you want casual fans to turn over and try to watch you, you want brand to be backed by somebody who's a veteran in the business to support you, your choice is Jericho. Absolutely true. But I would say to your point, and and not to agree with you just because I'm a difficult guest, but I would say if you're looking for um, the match of the night that should have been the championship match, that probably would have been Cody and Spears versus Jericho oh, in and terms Page. Of energy? In terms of energy yeah. and just in terms of what 
I would have expected a championship match to look like. Sure, yeah, and this is, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you heard it here. But whatever, because he won anyway, and we have to say thank you. And now listen, you guys know that Chris Jericho is the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time, in my opinion. He's on my Mount Rushmore. I think he's wonderful. So I don't have a problem with the winning. I just thought the match was not as good as it could have been. And that, of course, my friends, wraps up all out. And I'm putting Mr. Queen on the spot because we're, we're not done, Mr. Queen. Oh, no. We have, a, we have an after party to talk about. We, have, we have an after party to talk about. I'm not letting you go until we chit-chat about this after party. So let's, let's get some real full disclosure here, people. Okay? The crowd at AEW was awesome. I enjoyed it. The experience it all out. The lines were crazy for the merch. Couldn't get any. Couldn't get near it. Um, but the event was great. Our seats were fantastic. We saw everything. It was wonderful. And as part of our platinum bundle, we got those seats. And we also got the VIP bracelets for the Janella Palooza, Joey Palooza, whatever the fuck it's called, after party, VIP after party mm-hmm. at the Hyatt. We're going to use quotation marks for yeah, that for that, the moment. Whatever. And uh, so we got out of the parking lot finally. It took forever to get over there. We got over there. We get out. We go into the party. We got a poster with our bracelet. Cool. I got a Palooza poster. And we walk into this ballroom, mm-hmm. right? And it was quartered off a little bit between VIP and... Not VIP. Not VIP. Tone Loke was nowhere to be found. Joey was singing karaoke and, and, and wasting time, basically, because saying, Tone Loke was late. And was saying that it was Tove Love, not Tone Loke. So he got people excited that there was going to be some sort of magical mystery guest so we had folks telling us that oh i canceled my cab or ubers or things no he told them that was cm punk he told people cm punk was there oh cm punk and told them to put him out on twitter yeah cm punk is here he wasn't put it out on twitter and people came running into the vap party oh my god i canceled my uber because i saw on twitter joey said cm punk is here and i'm like he's definitely not here (laughs) so he's home with his dog little little farce false advertising so Joey was walking around in the crowd with a camera, talking to random people, wasting time. He had no idea what to do because the musical guest was late. And the ticket line for drink tickets was so long that people tried to go over to the general admission side to buy drinks and the staff would not let them do that. Look, the, the problem at the end of the day was that this was a star cast party. Mm-hmm. At the very end of StarCast, where everybody is tired and burned out, and you're trying to organize this massive thing with mostly tired, somewhat half-drunk people wandering into this ballroom. And people were like, oh, it's a party, and yeah, it's cool. I found it not interesting at all, and if I could have gotten my, whatever it was, 90 bucks a mm-hmm. ticket back for it, I, I would have gotten it back. Um, mm-hmm. the, the two step, we got to get tickets to go to the bar to buy something, but the ticket line is like 45 minutes long and then yeah. you got to go to the bar and then tone lock showed up finally and was essentially karaoke yep. his way through early nineties hip hop stuff. Yeah, he was seeing Snoop Dogg. And it, it just, it just fell flat. It fell so flat. And, you know, nobody from AEW outside of, of Joey showed up. Uh, well, that's not true. Who showed up? Marco Stutt oh, was no, there. Oh, no, Marco You're right. You're right. I'll take that. But you, you didn't have the 
you know, I'll say it didn't feel like a, a club after party. It felt like a afterthought versus an after party. It was a total afterthought. And that's how I feel as well. It was a cash bar only. We didn't have any idea. Nobody knew that it was cash only. So that presented a problem. Orange Cassidy was supposed to come up to the party. Never came. Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux were there taking pictures. That was cool. Yep. An enormous amount of GCW guys were there. And Lady, Alley yep. Cat, which we met. Lovely person. Lovely person. Met Matthew Justice, also chatted with him. Cool. Very cool to do so, of course, because we were, uh, he, I interviewed him for the show, of course, as you guys know. Uh, so that was awesome to meet him. Uh, we had random people just walking around, a bunch of wrestlers like, oh, hey, what's up? And you're like, oh, hey. So that part was cool. But the rest, you know, I walked in and I was like, this is weird. Like, is it just me or is this weird? It was weird. And it was like, there was no real difference between the general admission ticket and the VIP ticket, except where you were standing in the room, I guess. And that the wrestlers were more on the VIP side than anything else. But like the ticket lines, like you were saying, were, were crazy. People who were supposed to be there didn't come. Tone Loke was late, like very late. And then on top of that, he just were singing rap songs from other people. That was weird. Uh, I'll say, you know, and this is another one at StarCast. If you're going to throw a party and it's going to be a cash bar, you have to make sure that the two ATMs in the hotel don't run out of money. Oh, yeah. That was another thing. There were ATMs were were available and there was nowhere for you to get cash. So if you didn't have any, you couldn't even purchase a drink if you wanted to. You had to borrow some money from someone else, I guess. Um, so that was kind of crazy. It just felt very disorganized. There wasn't really anything happening, you know, and, and Joey didn't know what to do. Yeah. Because what, what are you supposed to do? He's supposed to improv. It felt like they gave him a mic and were like, good luck. And he, I mean, he did what he could, you know, and that's not a knock on Joey. It's not his fault. It just was, if you're going to have an after party, then you should set it up. So like they had the pictures with Killer Cross and Scarlet Bordeaux and supposedly Orange Cassidy was supposed to be there as well. So like, that's cool. And you have that little organization go up on the side and you meet people. That's fine. But it was sort of just like people milling about standing in a room. It felt like a concert in a really small venue without the performer, I guess. Yeah, it was, it was, I think somebody assumed that if you put Joey up with a mic in a room with a bar and a stage, somehow there was going to be a party. Right. And there was no organizational thought past that. None at all. And I don't know if that's the StarCast folks or the Blue Chew folks or whoever, but there definitely needed to be a little more thought put into the how are you going to keep the hype going what does that look like what you know what are you going to do to keep people engaged and and moving around and then just the logistic stuff like don't put the drink tickets in the room with the bar why do you need to even sell drink tickets if you're doing a cash bar if you have folks who have paid so much money for even gold bracelets or vip bracelets does a poster make sense as the differentiated value you know that sort of thing but anyways i'm ranting i think it's I, I, I do think it was the low point of the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we left. I was like, okay, I'm going to go home. This is crazy. <laughs> it just wasn't worth the 90 bucks that people spent to go to it, in my opinion. And because it was a part of the bundle, it wasn't worth the money that we spent for it either. So that was really the only thing that I could say for, for a doubt was the big negative, And I have no problem saying that to anybody. It just was not a good scene. Other than the fact that I got to hang out with some of my friends and meet Matthew Justice and Alley Cat. That was really cool. But... That was really it, you know? So before we go, we're going to get to the Queen's Courtier's Questions segment. And we're going to do the Jester and Crown of the Week. So Mr. Queen gets to be a part of that. Um, But we're going to answer some of your questions right now. So I put out a tweet earlier that asked people to send me some thoughts or some questions. 
and we will go through those right now. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So at Chris from North Carolina at black underscore Baymax eight says, what were some of your biggest takeaways from all out and how in your mind will they affect the live shows going forward? Also, what was your favorite match or matches of the weekend from GCW and all out? Okay. So let's start with the first question. Biggest takeaways from all out. AEW has an enormously talented production staff. Their video packages are awesome. Their music is great. Those were some things that immediately took, I took away from the production. I loved the pyro. The people they had come in and sing the national anthem were stellar. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff was great. The event. AEW has great pacing. The pacing of their pay-per-view was excellent. I didn't feel like I was bored. I enjoyed it. And while it was long, it didn't feel overly long. It definitely felt long, but not like, oh my God, I've been here for seven hours long. Yeah. And I'll say to that, uh, you know, if I were to give grades, right, the things mm-hmm. I took away, execution and production value, A+. plus. There's no doubt that yep. the TV shows are going to be run well, the events are going to be run well, the lighting, all of it works great. Yep. From a talent perspective, you know, do they have the capability for big matches one-on-one? Check. Do they have the capability for amazing tag teams? Check. Check, check. Do they have a capability for a differentiated women's division? I'd say the talent is there. I'm still giving it the question mark in terms of what they do with them kind of thing. So so to me, they, they have the, the raw people there who can make magic. How they choose to put them in the cards is interesting. And then, you know, do they have the capability for long-term storylines? I think we saw the start of some of that. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they can continue that into the TV series and don't take kind of the left-hand turn into what we see now, which is very choppy storylines with yeah. no, you know, things there. Mm-hmm. Um but that to me was still a question mark. I didn't see a lot of arc in the in the event itself, which is hard to do in one event. I get that, but I'm, I'm just being greedy. Yeah. All right, so what were your favorite matches? Well, let's do one. What was your match, favorite match from GCW? The uh, ladders, doors, and chairs match. I'm going to pick the Lucha match because it was awesome. Um, and your favorite match from All Out? Definitely had to be the... Uh, the, the hardcore match in the middle there. Cracker Barrel Clash. Cracker Good Barrel for you. Clash. Yep. We've turned him into hashtag death Mr. Queen instead of death queen. <laughs> um, my favorite match from All Out was a tie between that match and Cody versus John Spears, believe it or not. I thought it was excellent. Um, Wilf says, uh, from the Brain Buster Radio account, Hunger Games scenario. You're two, I guess he means us, two left on the island. Who do you put? Or... Two wrestlers or us? I don't know I how to answer this two, question. Let's answer it as two wrestlers. So if you okay. had, so so let's do it. If if you were looking at just GCW and then you were just looking at all out and you treated those stables as Hunger Games, oh, who God. would be left at the end? All right. So let's put GCW and all out. Um, I feel like, <laughs> um, I'll go with AEW because I feel like Cody would bring Pharaoh and Pharaoh would attack everybody and eat them. So, so, so you're saying, so you got Cody and Pharaoh. No, I had all oh. uh, the wrestlers from AEW. Yep. So, so I'm going to go GCW. Okay. And if I, and if I was just looking at the GCW stable, like if we did GCW Hunger Games, who, oh. would, who would be, who would the, be left, the last two left? Who would be the last two left in oh, the Jesus. GCW? Oh, Jesus. Probably Hunger Mance Games. and Nick fucking Gage and Nick fucking Gage would win. Yeah, I got, I got. 
I'll agree with you on on the Nick fucking Gage. I think Nick that Nick fucking Gage. Nick mm-hmm. fucking Gage. Um, but I'll say, you know, I, I, Matthew Justice definitely in my mind, and not just because you interviewed him had <laughs> had had some real possibilities there. I'd also say, um, uh, and Alex Zane. Oh yeah, definitely crafty. Awesome. So Benji at Calavera Comedy says, Queen, this is Benji reporting for Calavera News. What up, son? With the rise of many diverse wrestling podcasts, along with Brainbuster Radio's meteoric rise. Oh, thanks, pal. What do you think makes the wrestling community stand out? And with so much potential on the horizon, can this diverse ecosystem sustain itself? What a question. It's a great one. All right. Um, oof. What do you think makes the wrestling community stand out? Well, from... What I can see and the people that I surround myself with and talk to, not only in Brain Buster Radio, but, you know, Anthony over at Smart to Death and, you know, a whole bunch of different podcasts and my big friendship with JPQ, you know, the re- what makes us stand out is we're willing to watch everything. We're not going to shun things. We're not going to close ourselves off to stuff. We're very open. We like wrestling we're just wrestling fans and we're not going to choose one side or the other really we're just going to look at everything that we can watch everything that we can and to the best of our ability analyze it and talk about it and for me personally try to bring you the best content i possibly possibly can can this sustain itself i mean if people are willing to put in the hard work i think so i don't see why it can't and and i'll just add from again the non-hardcore wrestlers perspective right you know coming to an event like this coming to the starcast weekend you know what makes wrestling stand out to me is the inclusiveness of the community notwithstanding some of the comments that were made at at the show and i don't know if that was just you know beer involved or what um but i can't tell you how many just random line conversations i had with people just friendly people who struck up conversations who honestly wanted to know about you and your opinions and what you were doing and what made you tick and things like that. So I thought, you know, that's really unique as part of a community. In terms of can it sustain itself, if you look, and, and I'll nerd out for a second, at, at, at ecosystems, ecosystems thrive because of diversity, not because of lack of diversity. So I think more diversity just means a richer, more fuller experience that allows anybody to be able to pick their flavor and, and participate in the way that they want. So I think more diversity, more podcasts, more different wrestling shows, more things like that is only good. And, and you're, you got to think about it. The pie is going to get bigger with diversity. You're not stealing things like everybody's like, oh, take a share of WWE's, you know, uh, uh, market share or things like that. I think instead of thinking about it like that, it's how do you make an industry that's worth single digit billions and make it much bigger? Yeah. And the other thing I would say is creativity and kindness go a long way. If you're making something that's creative and people enjoy it, you could build your own base. I mean, look what happened to me, right? Take my example. Nothing in January. Here I am now in September. The amount of followers that I have, the amount of people that listen to my show, the amount of people that follow me wherever I go in terms of like if I'm hopping on someone else's podcast is really special. And if I can do it, so can anybody else. And I think that offering something for everybody is very important. I also think, to Mr. Queen's point about diversity, it's time for us ladies as wrestling fans to stand up. It's time for us to get more involved. It's a heavily male-dominated podcast world. And I am proud to be one of the women on wrestling Twitter with a very loud voice. So, And I, and I hope more join. Thanks, Benji. 
Conrad from Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, the show by the fans, wait for it, for the fans, says, what is the vibe like for an AEW weekend? Fucking crazy. Really good, though. Really good. People are very excited to be there. And Mr. Queen said that it was very, like, you know, willing to talk with people, get to know people. It was, it was really cool and inclusive, and that was really nice. And what did we think about the food in Chi-Town? I mean, can you beat deep dish pizza? Answer, no. Nope, not at all. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Conrad. Dave, at KCDave85 says, Who do you see being the guy to dethrone Jericho for the AEW title? Woo, the lolly. Mr. Queen, do you have thoughts? I do, and I'm going to do a Dark Horse thing for the moment, is I'd really like Darby to get a chance to unseat Jericho. I think that would be a fantastic match. I think that's evil versus evil on there. It's, it's skateboard versus the pain maker. I say let's do it. Wow, Mr. Queen coming out with Darby Allen to dethrone Jericho. Uh, for me, I would love to see Kenny build and build over... Uh, a while to eventually beat Chris Jericho to get that comeback story. I think that makes sense. I think Adam Page will eventually be a champion, but not right now. But for me personally, it's all about Kenny Omega and that backstory. Love it. Thanks, Dave. Keith the Chief asks, who will be the first champion in AEW? I think it's going to be Nyla. You know, I'm going to go, you know, house divided. I'm going to say it's Rio. Ooh, house divided again. We were divided on Jericho versus Hangman. Oh, lordy geez. Thanks, Keith. Uh, Zach asks, Zachary Shiloh, he asks, where do you, you think the next star cast will be? Um, I don't think he's going to do another one until next year. He may do two. Maybe. Um, but if he doesn't do two, then the next one will be in line with next year's all-out pay-per-view, whatever they're going to call it, I think. Yeah, I think it makes sense to start establishing a base for StarCast just as all the other big shows around, you know, CES is in Las Vegas, South By is in Austin, it doesn't move. It it helps keep your vendors in one spot, it helps keep your, your, your loyalty in one spot, and then the fans know what to plan for. So if I was, uh, you know, the folks at StarCast, I'd say keep it in and around Chicago. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the Full Gear pay-per-view, he wants to know... Where do you think the first post-Full Gear pay-per-view takes place? Now, that pay-per-view, if I'm not mistaken, takes place November the 9th. Um, I know they're doing an event the night before Thanksgiving, so that's something. I don't know if we necessarily call it a big pay-per-view. But I would say I would think personally that the next major pay-per-view would be January or February. I think they're going to pace out their pay-per-views more so than WWE does. I would say so too. I say you're going to see an early spring kind of kind of match there. I think we're getting it sooner than early spring. I don't think they're going to wait that many months because November's you know a time. I don't know if they're going to do anything in December. They may do an event, but I don't think they're going to do a pay per view until maybe January, February. That's just my guess. I mean, what do I know? Just a guess. Well, my friends, that's the end of the Queen's Courtiers Questions segment, and now we're on to the Jester and Crown of the Week. So, Mr. Queen. We're going to crown the jester first. Okay. Boom. Boom. <laughs> All right. Who is your jester of the week? Oof. I'd say that's a hard one for me. Um, 
Hmm. I'm going to give the Jester of the Week to none other than the first AEW champion, <gasps> Jericho. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. Why? To me, match quality, and then he won the championship from the guy who came in on a horse. And to me, that just is worthy of a of a you know moment there. Boo! I'm begging you the gesture of the week. Boo! <laughs> Don't you boo Chris Jericho? <laughs> You stupid idiot, <laughs> as you would say. Apparently and actually, I made the list. <laughs> you did. You made the list. And uh, my boys at Heel Pops and Chair Shots wanted to know, too, what do you think about the criticisms of Jericho being an old AEW champion? So are you are you being an ageist right now? I am not being an ageist. <laughs> I am being a qualityist. Oh, qualityist. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I don't think, I don't really care about the age thing, just as a side note. I, I really don't. He's one of the best in the world, and I think it makes the most sense for him to be champion. And WWE's done it several times with older people, so mm-hmm. who cares? It's going to be okay. Who's your jester? My jester of the week is going to those asshats that sat around me and you at All Out. You know what? Fair enough. I will change that over because <laughs> I keep forgetting it doesn't have to be a wrestler. But but to, to the fans who were trying to not be inclusive. Rude. Get the F out. We don't want you in the community. So you gotta go, go somewhere else and, you know, leave us alone. Gross. Now on to the crown of the week. Yes, queen. Now to the crown of the week. Who gets your Mr. Queen's crown? Okay, so crown of the week to me goes to Mick Foley. <laughs> nice. And I think, you know, great show, great audience engagement. Just... Great overall experience. Mick, you're a class act. Thanks for coming to StarCast. Aw, that was nice. My crown of the week is going to AEW. The fact that we are here and they put on a great show at All Out and we're about to enter into TV is a big deal. And I want to give them the crown to recognize the hard work that they've put in, not only as a company, but as talent, to try and change the universe and do something different. And for that... I'm so appreciative and so thankful. So I want to thank Mr. Queen. Thank you, Mr. Queen, for coming on Queen's Court and sharing this experience, not only with me while we were doing it, but now on my show. We'll, we'll see if you have me back. <laughs> I don't know. The jury's still out. We shall see. <laughs> but anyway, as always, darlings, please have an enjoyable rest of your day and be kind to one another. 